Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five, question mark, <laughs> of Adopting Wellness. Yeah. Okay. I'm Laura. And I'm Katie. And we are here to check in as we do with these shorter episodes and just talk about our journeys. It's and true. Just, yeah, do some processing yeah. with each other. So, Katie, how are you? Oh, well... I am doing pretty well. Um, so I've, you know, I've explained I'm on this journey with my medication, all this stuff. And that's mm-hmm. been going really well. Um, I think I've made a lot of progress in my numbers, but I actually just emailed my doctor today because my numbers are still pretty high. So mm. I'm asking if I can take more, basically. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's been really wild. It's, I've been exhausted, mm-hmm. like exhausted, exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also had strep throat last week. Yeah. I know. No fun. Well, actually I tested negative, but I'm pretty sure I had strep throat. Mm. Like you can't deny that my throat was insane. Yeah. In so much pain. Um, but anyway, yeah, I feel like that's been going well um, emotionally. You know, Laura, you know this. I'm fresh off of coming from an adoption conference. Oh. <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. My brain is just mushy and yeah. I'm I'm kind of angry at the same time. Yeah. And overwhelmed. It it yeah. was just so much mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I a lot of people had asked me, have you been to an adoption conference before? And I always answered. I have only been to adoptee-centered conferences. Yeah. So I have never been in a scenario where there are like donor conceived or, um, you know, other, I guess, umbrellas Yeah. and nuanced um, adoptees and, mm-hmm. and not necessarily adoptees at all. Um, all the official names that I can't remember right now because I just woke up from a nap. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I know that was probably really overwhelming, as you said. Um, and I think when you mentioned that those groups were all coming together, my initial response was, wow, those groups have actually very little in common when you think about <laughs> how different they are. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. It was really, um, you know, I think it had ambitious goals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, but I also don't really know exactly all the goals. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, it was nice to go to something as just an attendee and, and just kind of like soak in whatever is, is happening. Um, yeah. but it was also, I also didn't know how to prepare for it either. Mm-hmm. So it was, it just became like really overwhelming. What I really loved about it though, was that they offered 
a therapy room with a licensed therapist volunteer Mm -hmm. that was available for the duration of the conference. So I actually found myself in there twice in in the two-day conference, Um, not necessarily to even talk specifically to a therapist directly, but just to like get out of the session sometimes. It was just very intense. Like a Um, safe space to go to just... Yeah, to just like not have to do anything, I guess. Yeah. Like for example, one of the sessions I remember I told you, Laura, that one of the sessions was addressing, not addressing, but um, meditation and inner child work. Mm -hmm. And so the meditation had us going into like envisioning uh, your inner child. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for me, I don't know exactly how long the actual meditation was, but it felt like an hour, even though it was probably only 10 minutes, let's be honest. <laughs> yep. It felt too long. Yep. And, um, and you know, I've done a lot of inner child work. And, and then, like, every person shared, like, what – and you could pass, of course, but – everyone, for the most part, everyone shared like what their experience was like after that. And so there were a lot of people that cried, a lot of people that had never done it for the first, had never done that before. It was insane. It's not sounding super trauma informed. It was insane. (laughs) my, My mom and I were the last people uh, to share in the room. And I just, so I, I was super honest, of course. And I said, well, I've been doing inner child work for a long time, many, 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 many years. And uh, just recently have I been able to envision my infant self after two years of doing inner child work. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to that, I've never been able to envision my inner child. Yeah. And maybe so not this something exercise, we want to undertake in like an hour right? and a half. <laughs> yeah. This exercise, I'm like, I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to see my four or five-year-old self, but I sure didn't see anything. I said, yeah. I saw nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. So it was an experience. Yeah. An it experience. It was an experience. Yeah. So Anyway, that's my, well, that's been my life. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. Um, I went out of town this past week mm. for, you know, Katie, a, a few days. It was a very quick whirlwind kind of turnaround trip for work. And um, I have only done that one other time since my son was born. He's 22 months. He'll be two at the end of May. And so it is always stressful for me to be gone. My husband's wonderful and he's here and we have childcare and things like that. But I mean, I think anybody who's, you know, has a parent or, or is a parent or has kids or knows parents knows that that's a tough thing to be away from your, from your family. So, um, I was nervous about that and I spent a lot of time like preparing, you know, like in my preparation for going out of town, I was like, you know, trying to dot a lot of I's and cross a lot of T's and, um, but then when I got there and ha- what little downtime I did have, it was so eye-opening to me to just, I think it, 
because I wasn't in my normal routine and my normal environment, it was so, it's so hard to have reflection sometimes on like what we're doing or not doing. Mm -hmm. Because when you really change that up, it's like, oh, like I had, you know, I had a second to like actually wash my face twice a day (laughs) and like, Mm -hmm. you know, do things that I used to do before I had kids that I just haven't even thought about because it's such an instinct to like put that away. I mean, you don't, you don't know you're even putting it away. You know, you're just Mm -hmm. focused on taking care of your kiddo. And so I think it, it's hard because some of those things I'm like, is this something that is really going to be beneficial to me and helpful to my self care? Or is this just like women should wear makeup and like blah, 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 you know, like, is this a societal expectation versus Mm -hmm. helpful? What makes me feel good? And Mm -hmm. I think I noticed that if I were to get up just, I'm not, I'm not a night owl. I'm just not. And so I am a morning person, which I know is weird. (laughs) A lot of people are not morning people. I get it. Um, but I also, I can't keep my eyes open past like nine 30. That's just my vibe. I'm sorry. Like I'm exciting like that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but my husband gets a lot of nighttime to himself and that's his solo recharge time. And I don't get that because the second my kiddo's eyelids open, we're going, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, you know, and so <laughs> I'm like, and it's usually 7am. And so I'm like, okay, if I could get up at six, you know, and just have an hour potentially of me time, of doing what I, whatever I want to do, whether that's, I don't know, exercise, meditation, I don't know, whatever that looks like. Um, I feel like I should do that. And so that's something I think I'm going to try to do. I very aware I'm not going to be able to do that every day because there are just some days that like getting out of bed is extra hard and that's fine. But it was a good reminder for me that like, oh, Hey, it does actually feel nice to me to like you know, do skincare and like, I don't know, sit in the quiet for a little bit before, Mm. before I'm, you know, chasing a two-year-old around. So, yeah. So one of the things that I always said more so recently about having kids is one of the reasons why I don't want kids is because I fear that I will not be able to take care of myself and the child. And I'm so hyper vigilant and like must keep child alive type of mentality Mm -hmm. that I, I know that I would put all of my time and effort into that and just kind of lose myself. I just oh, know I would. 100%. And I think I, that that's happened to me. You know, I mean, that happens mm-hmm. to almost every parent, but I think it, one of the things I, I talked to my therapist about when I was pregnant before I was having, going to have my son is, you know, I'm scared because I'm going to have to find a new way of coping and living that works mm-hmm. for me that integrates a kid and it's completely different. And that's true. That is true. Mm. And I mean, I think there are sacrifices that, you know, we as a society avoid because people, it's like people can't handle the, the gray area when it comes to 
being a parent. It's like you, you're not allowed to say I'm, I'm resenting this today or whatever that looks like. Sure. You're only supposed to be happy and joyful all the time. And like, I think we're (laughs) kind of getting away from that a little, but yeah, but I think, I think making it okay to be like, today sucks. And I would really love a break and you know, that needs to be okay too. Yes. I think it's, I think that just goes with so, so much pressure of being a parent in general and, um, not being able to have the real conversations. Yeah. Cause there's so much expectation of, of who you should be and, how you should be. And yeah, that's always been something that not even that I'm fearful of. It's, it's something that I know that would happen. And I, if I'm already having this much trouble taking care of myself, like as someone that doesn't have children, I just know how it would be Yeah, if there were other little humans that I had to keep alive. Well, and there's this other thing I think that happens when you have one kid where people just assume you want more than one kid. And I'm over here like, no, that's literally double the work of what I'm doing now. And I really just, like you said, knowing myself, like, I don't want to, I can't do that the way that I want to, I would want to do that, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I suppose I could, but I don't want to have to make those adjustments for, for me yeah. and my family. You know, and I think that that's a conversation that we, it needs to be okay for people to, to suss that out for themselves. Right. Like without the pressures you were talking about of just, Mm. maybe I don't want my life to look like two, two kids or three kids or whatever, you know, and that, that has to be okay. Or maybe I want my life to look like I have five kids because that's what works for me. And that's okay too. You know? Mm -hmm. So how have you, because I think this is so relevant to so many people, um, especially our listeners, what, what would be like, you know, the therapist question in an ideal world, yeah. <laughs> what would that, what would that look like for you? Like creating that space for yourself, carving that space for yourself, um, and is it even feasible? Yeah. Like, how do I guess, I guess I bounce the question back to you about, you know, like, does putting on makeup, like, really help you kind of set up the day? Like, yeah, is that a small pleasure kind of thing? Yeah, I don't know. I think it looks different every day, you know, and I mm, think mm-hmm. there are going to be some days where I'd much rather stay in bed. And that's and that's my self care. And that's, I'm going to do it. And I think there are other days when I wake up, like I have this tendency, this is so crazy, but I, when my eyes open in the morning, it's literally like, I go from like sleep to like, I'm wide awake. Like I'm ready to go (laughs) most of the time. It's very strange. I know. know. But (sighs) so I think my son must've gotten that from me, but, um, but so with that extra energy, I just feel like there are so many little tasks that I, I've try to do as a multitasking parent that I could probably do. And I would, I would find more enjoyment in those by myself before Mm -hmm. I have, I have to multitask. So things like, I don't know, going through my email or yeah, washing my face. Um, 
even if I don't put on makeup, like just doing some skincare, like I like that. It feels mm-hmm. like I cared for myself. You know, makeup mm-hmm. is like secondary to me, but um, having a hot beverage of some kind, whether that's tea or coffee, usually, let's be honest, usually it's coffee. I'm a coffee person. <laughs> um, I know Katie's not, but I am not. I like, I like my morning beverage. It's part of my ritual and it feels nice to me. So, and I think honestly, when you talk about like ideals and realistic ones, I think Mm. I'm living it. I mean, I really think Mm. I am. I think it's just maybe taking a little more time to include myself, you Mm. know, and, and, and try to make that more of a routine. I think right now it feels a little more like an afterthought, but maybe, Mm. maybe just bringing that intention into it is enough you know? Yeah. Yeah. Intention, man. Yeah. Are there things like that for you, Katie? Like, like as far as your ideal versus what's happening now? Oh boy. Um, I think ideally, you know, I, <laughs> because I'm an all or nothing person, Ideally, I'd love to be like hitting all of these checkmark things like exercise, eating well, cooking, uh, cleaning my place, you know, like feeling like all these successes. And let's be honest, like I'm going to pay money for convenience. So I'm going to pay someone to come clean my apartment. And uh, I hate cooking because it's stressful, but I can but I still don't want to. So yeah, I will pay a delivery service, um, for already cooked meals. Um, it's funny that I have that in my brain that I want that to be my ideal life, but and I think because I've I've lived a whole life comparing my my struggle to other people. Yeah. Like, for example, if they if other people had the struggles that I had, they would probably do it better. Like that's mm. kind of the underlying belief that I've always had in my life. Mm-hmm. And the real truth, the therapeutic belief, is that I have done really well doing hard things and surviving. Amen. So it's kind of just, it's, it's a battle every single day. You know, what I can do, what my reality is. Um, and, and really just accepting that, look, I can't do, I can do everything, but is it going to be worse for my mental and physical health? Probably. Yeah. yeah. So and I just, yeah, I, I could feel push like, myself. Right. And, and for what, right? Like you said, like you, you know yourself well enough to know what, where the payoff is. Right. And like, yeah. there's so much of this too, that's societal and like cultural. Like, right. For example, I lived in New York for a year. It's like a running joke that New Yorkers don't cook. No one cooks in that city. <laughs> Everyone eats takeout all the time. That's all they do. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. you know, it, in, in if you said that in New York, no one would bat an eye. They'd be like, yeah, well, you know. 
yeah. normal. Yeah. And it's funny. I was, I was, uh, watching a video from a black educator and if I can remember their name, I'll make sure I put it below um, because it was a really good one, but she was talking about how the only reason we as a society eat three meals a day is because white colonists decided that it, it needed to be, um, we needed to distinguish ourselves from animals. We needed to be more refined. Hmm. Before this, previously, and many other cultures, they just eat when they're hungry and they don't have any like organized like meal uh, times. Mm-hmm. Like it's just listen to your body and eat when you're hungry. And so I just, it made me think about how many things we do because that's just what everyone else does or what we've we've been taught is normal versus yeah. what really works for us, you know? I think that that is so good because how, yeah, there's like a million things that I do that I'm like, nah, people frown upon this. Like, who cares? Yeah. I almost cussed there. <laughs> um, But seriously, like, who cares? And there's some things that I don't care about. Like, but- yeah. There is a lot of shame, I think, that comes from, you know, not cooking for myself Mm. Um, or like, you know, some of those things. I think there's a lot of underlying shame of, oh, you don't do that for yourself. And it's like, I kind of hate it. Like, I hate it's so stressful. Yeah. Cooking is so stressful. There are so many Mm -hmm. things that you have to do. It's like the epitome of multitasking and I am a one subject person at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if I can put it in the oven, sure. That's great. And then my job's yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's just a lot of shame that revolves around health and wellness. And yeah. Yeah. I unfortunately have kind of absorbed all of that over the course of my life. And now I'm kind of just trying to come to terms with being okay that I don't have to cook for one person every single day, you know, and, um, and I can be okay with that. And a goal is, is to cook for myself or prepare healthy meals. That would be a goal, but am I there? No, but can I order it? Yes. And it can still be a healthy meal. Well, like you said, so much of what we're talking about in this podcast and what we're diving into, I mean, I think that's it, right? Is like what we've been told we should do versus what actually helps us survive Mm. and Mm -hmm. maybe even thrive. Um, but Mm -hmm. I think we can't really get to that place until we strip away, you know, other people's expectations on us. And Mm. I think it's confusing as an adoptee because other people's expectations are all we have and our identity Mm -hmm. is so fragmented. So it's so hard Mm -hmm. to tell the difference between what I want versus they want versus whatever. Right. So I feel like I, I think, and I, and I know a lot of this is universal. Like everybody is all, you know, we're all as a society, like changing and, and hopefully reevaluating what we're doing and 
or trying different things or whatever, but I just notice how I feel when I do things now in a way that I never used to. And I think it is some of that back to what you were saying, like that inner child work and like just trying to pay attention to how, to what I need. And God, that's hard to do when you've got other people's expectations and other people to care for or a job or whatever, mm. you know? And so I think part of what I was experiencing when I was traveling was just I was, I was able to focus on me for a second again, you know, and yeah. really notice how something felt. And that was really nice, you know, cause that's not <laughs> necessarily easy to build into my current routine. That is so fair. Yes. I'm thinking about what you said about the, like the shoulds that get, you know, we get bogged down with. And there was one time in therapy I don't even think my therapist asked me to do this. I just did it. I wrote down a whole list of um, expectations that I felt from other people or society or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. I am not joking. I had over 50 of them and it filled an entire page. And some of them, I'm not even sure where they came from. It's yeah, just like this, you know, things that you kind of collect dust over time and 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 you don't even realize that that is what is programmed in the back of your head. Yeah. And I think that once we're able to shed those you know, I'm expected to cook every day for myself. I'm expected to exercise every day to be healthy. I believe um that I should that I should, I don't know, something ridiculous. Like (laughs) I should read 25 books to be super smart this year. Like, you know, it's just like insane things that in the grand scheme of life. (laughs) (laughs) I still have a stack of books behind me and I've yet to finish one. Well, the Uh, only reason I might even I'm a speed reader. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah, I am too. I think the only reason I even thought that was feasible is because I have to read a bunch for, for research project stuff. Mm. And so it's like, I already know I'm going to be doing it. But so you're, that's you're already like, well, I'm already going to hit the 50. So might as well. It's cheating, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely have that pressure that I put on myself and so much. It's just unnecessary. Can I ask you a question because I know you've been to Korea. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, well, thank you. It's about Korea. My <laughs> baby, <laughs> okay. I It's not really fair for me to Can I ask you a question about something you have no idea what I'm going to ask you about? Yeah. Um so it's about <laughs> your experience when you've traveled to Korea because you've been 3 or 4 times. I think 4. 4. Yeah. Did you feel that same, like when you were, after you'd been there and you'd kind of like gotten the vibe of the culture, did you feel that same pressure there or was it hard to, was there a difference for you there versus here? 
It was a different kind of pressure. So Mm. culturally, there were a lot of culture expectations of how I Mm -hmm. should act if I wanted to assimilate to Korean Mm -hmm. culture. And some of that felt so uncomfortable to me and awkward that I just like kind of, I don't know if it's shamefully, but I, I shamefully just resorted to, well, I'm American and uh, <laughs> I don't want to adapt to that. So I'm just going to keep it as is, yeah. Um, yeah. which is probably an asshole thing to say and do, but that's kind of where it's also I true. was at that point. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, it is a statement that is true, but yeah, I, I just remember thinking like, I, I think because I knew that I would never be able to come across as a native Korean that I didn't even want to try and probably, yeah. you know, that's my all or nothing. Yeah. So there were a couple things, you know, the bowing I, I enjoyed actually. So, you know, there were certain things that I did kind of enjoy and I, I incorporated, but for the most part, I think because I was like, Ah, I want to stick it to the man, firstly. And secondly, I feel really uncomfortable because it's something I've never done before. And um, I just sometimes didn't regard it and, yeah. and take it under consideration. But it was just a different yeah. pressure. Like, I didn't yeah. feel the pressure, you must be Korean. You must be more Korean than you are. In fact, I probably was more like, I want to be so different. Because that was a time like where I didn't brush my hair. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I had wild hair. And my students, when I got my Korean haircut, my students were just shocked. And they, they just complimented my Korean hair because it was combed. And it was it was tame. And I was like, nah, I really liked my my pretty wild hair back then. Just wanted to be you, huh? Just, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I'm just curious because I know you've experienced that. And I, you know, I know culturally so much of this is cultural and we can't extricate ourselves from the culture that we've been, mm-hmm. we've been forced to assimilate to. Right. And so. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question. Yeah. After after your reunion, mm-hmm. did you feel any kind of expectation to be a certain person or way after reunion because of reunion? Yes. Yeah. Well, I think with my bio family, I don't know that I felt as much pressure with them. I think it was more other people's reactions, you know? Mm. And it got to Mm -hmm. where I would expect certain questions. And the first question people would ever always ask is, oh, how do your adoptive parents feel about that? Oh, and I, I, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. This is why we're friends because you know my reaction to that. I mean, at one point I literally turned to the person and I said, I don't care. And I think it, I said it for, I said it that way for a reason because I wanted them to really stop and think about what they were asking that like, I, here I am, by the way, my reunion happened when I was 35. So I'm 35 year old grown ass woman Mm -hmm. 
Mm. lifing life, like doing the Mm -hmm. thing and hearing people come in and ask these questions about how I need to be taking my adult parents emotion. Like, you know, so I think I kind of share some of that pushback in a way, which has probably, it's probably why we're alive right now is like this sort Mm -hmm. of like middle finger to the world. Like, no, this gets to be me. This is about me. This doesn't need to be about everyone else. You know, like, Yes. And that's kind of how I approach that. And I think that's how I, when I did feel that pressure, that's mostly how I handled it. And, Mm -hmm. um, I still get a lot of like reactions and questions from people that knew me when I was younger and stuff and have a lot of like opinions about things. And I just, yeah, I just don't really care. (laughs) Really, really incredulous that anyone has any opinions truly. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine that would be, that would, there would be a lot of expectation, um, mm-hmm. placed on adoptees that are in reunion and yeah. especially like, I, I just think even so much for transnational adoptees because of the cultural aspect yeah. of yeah. having to kind of navigate not only a family of a different culture, but also like the cultural aspects of how to behave and, you know, the line of thinking and the logic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And like, you don't really fit in either culture, I would think. Right. Like not fully. So it's just, yeah, that's a lot. I think about that a lot and I don't, I don't have that experience. Um, There's a different experience though, I think being a white adoptee adopted by white parents Sure. where there's sort of like a, there's an eraser that erasure that happens there where I think Mm -hmm. sometimes it felt like my adopted parents were literally trying to pretend like I was their child, you know? And so there, that was kind of a weird identity thing in and of itself, but I recognize Mm -hmm. that as being completely different, you know? from being a transnational or transracial adoptee. I think that's totally valid. I think it's, um, I, I think that would be really difficult because you know that you are different and you know that wasn't recognized. That wasn't exactly. It wasn't ever acknowledged. No. So yeah, I could totally see how that would be kind of a, an invisibility that Mm -hmm. was never acknowledged. And that's important too. It is. I think this is why it's so important that we have adoptee friends because within the adoptee community, we have a lot in common. We really do. Yeah. And I don't know. I just always love talking to you. And I love talking to you, even though my brain was not working. Well, I couldn't tell if it, if it makes you feel any better. I couldn't tell at all. I think it's still asleep. <laughs> well, maybe I'm going to take another nap. nap. I, I know. It. I had a solid nap before, so we'll see. Well, we'll see what the night brings. Amen to that. I hope it's a chill one after the two days you've had. So. My God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll take a while for me to unpack that. Oh, okay. boy. Yeah. Well, I love you, friend. Love you, friend. And, and I, yeah, we'll see everyone in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah.
Okay, bye. Okay, bye.